Former U.S. National Rugby Team Captain. Team Captain. Head Coach and General Manager. General Manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey everyone, thanks for joining in Full Contact CEO today. I'm your host, Alex Magleby. I'm also co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Joining me today is the one and only Jen Lever, president of the humble, hardworking, and tastiest craft brew, Baxter Brewing Company, now the third largest brewery in Maine, where beer certainly does flow like Atlantic cod. Jen, thanks for joining us today on Full Contact CEO. Thanks for having me. We're going to start with a bit of word game to get warmed up. I'm just going to say a word, and you say the very first thing that comes to mind. Okay? Yep. Maine. Distinct. Logger Road. Easy drinking. <laughs> Tasty. <laughs> COVID. Challenging. Free jacks. Fun. Fishing. New. Innuendo. Beloved. The future. Exciting. Awesome. And of course, this episode is brought to you by the Free Jacks, the humble, hardworking, free-spirited amazingness of Major League Rugby. Thanks to the Free Jacks. Go to shop.freejacks.com to pick up some discounted stunkity stunk. Use full contact CEO as a discount code. That's for a 1-5%, 15% discount on amazing, tough comfort Free Jacks swag. So tell us, you grew up in Maine? Where I did, yep. I grew up actually in Auburn, Maine. So uh, Lewiston, Auburn's a twin city, right where the brewery is, and just happened to be a, a lucky accident that it happens to be my hometown as well. So um, yeah, I left Maine when I was 18 and moved back when I was 28. Okay. So when you were in, you were in uh, high school there, I read that you were class president, not once, but four times. <laughs> I was. I was class president all four years. Yeah. I was our freshman class president and then I was a student body president. Yeah, so I bookended it. Um, but sometimes I go back to some of those experiences and I'm like, ah, I was actually, I learned a lot going through those in, in the class president. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, uh, something kind of funny that a lot of people don't know is that Adam Platts, our founder of Baxter Outdoors, who went to Dartmouth, um, was the class vice president. And so now we work together as well. And, um, so it is something that the local, local folks that I know that I was class president like to draw upon that. But I do think there was a lot of, that I pulled from that leadership experience. And um, it's something that the town seems to take a lot of pride in that now I'm a president of a company in, in our town, um, which is, is pretty neat as well. So so how did you get, let's, let's rewind from being president of an amazing um, company to, to that point? Like you, so you left at 18, you left Maine and where'd you go? I went to Hobart and William Smith in Geneva, New York for college and um, spent my summers really exploring uh, what I wanted to do for a career. So one summer I got a real estate license in Boston um, and sold real estate for the summer. Another summer, uh, my junior summer, I worked for a company called Cintas out of Syracuse, New York. And the program, it's called a scholar internship program, was suggested to me as something to explore. And I came back and found out that I had fallen in love with a uh, career path called operations. You know, there was nothing, it's a liberal arts school, so there wasn't anything at, in, at Hobart and William Smith that would have transitioned me into an operations role um, in the traditional sense. That's much more like an engineering path. 
Um, and after my experience with Cintas, it was recommended to me to apply to Pepsi because they have the best operations program in the country, um, according to the person who told me. And so I did that and uh, came right out of college with a role at Pepsi in Latham, New York. And I was at Latham for four and a half years. And then I went down to Whitfield, Virginia for just over two years. And so kind of got my operational background and um, experience at Pepsi and then got an opportunity to come back to Maine to run a vegetable processing company and ran that company for a couple of years and then had an opportunity to come to Pep to Baxter to do some consulting and consulting very quickly turned into a very passionate, exciting role with with Baxter Brewing. So it's been just over four years. Last week was my four year anniversary. So at Baxter. Yeah. Very cool. So Pepsi is, yeah, they're, they're well known for that leadership training module. What are some of the things you've taken out of those experiences? And, you know, now you've carried forward into, uh, into being president. I think one of the biggest things that what I learned um, <clears throat> is knowing your audience. I, my first plant was a, a union plant. Um, and I think Pepsi does an incredible job really developing you and, and making you capable of speaking and connecting and relating to frontline workers. I think that going into Pepsi, that was probably my more, my bigger comfort zone. Um, just having grown up in Maine and blue collar worker, being from a family of blue collar workers and very hardworking, good work ethic, providing for families, understanding kind of the drive behind a lot of my employees and direct reports. Um, and then my, you know, connecting with my peers and being the only female and most of them having all engineering backgrounds and I having an economics and sociology background and finding bridges and ways to be taken seriously and making sure that I'm being as good of a peer as I'm expecting of my others and then um, delivering messages upwards. So, you know, vice presidents of the organization coming in and having to present to those. So your, your language and your examples and understanding what's going to make, what's going to resonate with your audience, I think is a huge piece that I definitely gained that skill and aptitude at Pepsi. Um, and then one of the best pieces of advice I got in the beginning of Pepsi was to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think I've stayed close to that throughout my entire career that, you know, there's not really a time where I was stagnant or felt like I didn't have a challenger or 10 on my plate. And uh, I attribute that to my experience at Pepsi. And I think that's why I've found work to be so satisfying, regardless if it's vegetables or beer or, or soda. Beer just happens to be a little bit more fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the process. One of my favorite coaches that I've had, uh, that was that was a great theme that he continued to you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, is, is very cool. At, at Pepsi, did they just kind of in terms of talent management, was that sink or swim, throw you in? Or were there a lot of coursework you could do on the side? Was there mentorship you could connect with that you know helped you get those tools? Or was it literally like, okay, you got to go deliver. You got to go manage up here and deliver to executives above you. You've got to go deliver to the union employees. Good luck. Or were, were, there, were there other pieces to that that, that helped you grow in the they, they did an incredible job. They had a program, a very mapped out program um, that lasted 90, the first 90 days um, for an onboarding program. And I think it's it, it that onboarding intensity, um, it was what you made of it. Like you could do a route ride with the sales guys and you could deliver bulk trucks and, and uh, what they call D-Bay, which is the side loader trucks and not ask questions and not try to understand how you're going to impact those people's roles. Or you could 
dive right in and, and make the most of it. And I think that my enthusiasm around that program and trying to just gain as much knowledge as possible. Um, at one point in my career, I was nicknamed the question master. Like I love learning <laughs> new things and I love hearing and talking about other people. And so it's one thing that's changed quite a bit. And Baxter over the last six months is how often people want to talk to me about me, but I actually would much rather learn about new things and new people and how I can impact people even indirectly. Um, and I think that that onboarding commitment that Pepsi does, rather than just throwing you into a role, but giving you the chance to see all pieces of the organization, regardless of what department you start in, is a hugely critical piece of the success that I was able to have. Um, and then in general, they, they have a lot of leadership programs. I was able to get uh, Six Sigma certified. Um, and and I worked hard, but when I worked hard, those, opportuni- those opportunities came a bit more frequently with leadership programs. And um, I was kind of changing the conversation to some degree because the mentorships traditionally were to, you would be paired with somebody. Um, and because there wasn't a lot of females at the time of some of those mentorship programs that were in my building, um, they, there was none in operations. I could have a mentor that was an accountant or a mentor that was a sales director, but it wasn't somebody I was being able to go to that really understood what the ebbs and flows of the operational side was. Um, and so I think the mentors that happened more naturally ended up being more satisfying for me, the, like either something about our personalities connected, or, um, I just really respected the way that they conducted themselves. My first boss actually at Pepsi is still, uh, we're still in contact and still consider him a very close friend and somebody I look up to, but also, you know, see as a peer now. Um, but really have always just honored the relationship that we had and some of the things that we kind of went through together. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that you've had some opportunities to now share and teach teach the mentor, you know, some of the experiences that I've gone through. Sport's a bit different because it is so structured. You have a coach, you have players, but then as you, you become an assistant and you become a coach and now you're competing against the coach who is your mentor, but still sharing ideas back and forth. So I imagine there's been a lot of opportunities now for you for the successes you've had to kind of go back to some of those mentors and, and, and co-share ideas. Special shout out to one of our premier partners, Felschkun, the official chucka of the New England Free Jacks. Make sure you swing by the Free Jacks online shop, www.freejacks.com. Go to shop to pick up your pair of custom branded Free Jacks chuckas today. You mentioned some really good points there just about you, you learned how to communicate up and down. Um, but beyond that, kind of learned how to operationalize um, you know, parts of the company and not assuming that you're going to teach the forklift operator how to do it better, but how is that going to fit in the overall system? How have you utilized that operations experience um, at Baxter? I mean, I think it comes in a, a handful of different ways. Um, my first crew that I managed at Pepsi, I was 22, I think, 21 or 22. And my their average tenure was 17 years. Um, so I wasn't going to tell them anything about a forklift that they didn't already know. Um, and finding ways to honor what people know while driving forward new initiatives, whether um, one that stands out big time for me was I had to implement driving backwards for forklift drivers. So most of these guys were driving forklifts longer than almost as long as I had been alive, some much longer than I had been alive. And I had to flip them around to be driving backwards at all times based on OSHA standards and and a Pepsi corporate regulation. So um, at Baxter, we don't have a corporate regulation, but 
we have to respond quickly. We're in a very competitive market. So that transparency and ability to communicate what the needs of the business are and finding a way to make that work with my staff's needs outside of work. Um, I think COVID's given a unique opportunity to put empathy and and kind of mental well-being at the forefront of some of these conversations. But typically when I have found when staff is engaged and understands what we're trying to accomplish, they find ways and come up with creative ways that collectively work for them and, and for their team members. And I think that Pepsi gave me a lot of experience in doing that and knowing that becoming very comfortable, knowing that I'm not the most informed person at the table but finding ways to bring people's ideas forward and make them feel valued and understood and heard. And if we didn't go that route, that they understood why we didn't go that route, but they know that I was always working hard for their voice to be heard. And I think that um, that, that has definitely translated both into vegetables and, and into beer. And, and I, I think often in, into like my own personal relationships, friendships and otherwise, it's um, most people want to be heard, right? And they want to feel valued. And um, I think my team would say that that that's the way they feel right now. And um, I think that that's a huge piece of why the culture is so strong at Baxter right now. You guys have done, you do a fantastic job over social sharing kind of the stories of your employees, which I really love. You know, you, you mentioned some things there that were, they're just very pertinent to management that we can all learn from. One, knowing your audience. I think that's absolutely key, who you're working with, um, who the customer is. But as, as important, more important is kind of who, who are the employees that are making this happen, making sure that they have an opportunity to have a say, um, you know, being humble enough to ask questions for those that are actually doing the work. I think that's brilliant. Um, and then I th- think you throw in a bit of main moxie on top of that with some hard work, and that's a really good winning combination, of which Baxter seems to have. And can you just tell our audience, kind of taking a step back, about the history of Baxter and you know where it came from and, and you know where it's been for the last decade? You know, it was the 10th anniversary, I think? 10-year anniversary, yeah, just in January. So we're 10 years and a couple months old right now. Um so Baxter was founded by a fellow Edward Little graduate named Luke Livingston in 2011. Um, Luke had the idea to be an all-can brewery in New England, and he was able to um, get some financial backing to bring his idea to life. And he started out, actually, the very first beer was Pomola, but the second beer was Stowaway, which is now our flagship beer. And what really made a big deal, why that was such a big deal is it was a West Coast IPA made on the East Coast. So very malty, strong backbone, um, very hop forward that people were getting fresh. So for the first couple of years, it was all about trying to keep stowaway in stock. And Baxter was the first brewery to produce over 4,000 barrels in their first year of inception. Um, And then with 300 and 400% growth over the first couple of years, all, uh, I mean, the other beers grew, but really mostly on stowaway. Um, it kept Luke definitely front of mind for folks. And, and he was bringing a very innovative, different idea than what the craft brew industry had been at that point in Maine. We were the 16th brewery to be licensed. And now there's 162 licensed breweries. So the industry has changed dramatically. Um, but his innovative, environmentally conscious business plan really um, made people take notice and certainly brought a lot of pride to Lewis and Auburn 
Um, and I, I got for Christmas that year, I got the can shaped glasses with the Pomola on them. So it was a, it was a source of pride and interest for certainly my demographic and age group based on the fact that Luke had graduated just year, one year ahead of us. Um, but it has been really powerful watching the transition from Luke to me and how much, you know, Lewis and Auburn still takes pride on that. And, um, you know, the need for the, or the desire for the brewery to be in the mill was the idea of trying to draw and drive traffic to Lewis and Auburn, which, um, is something that, you know, every, every city needs, but a lot of times feels like it were eons past Portland when really we're just 30 minutes North and, um, the traffic and the industry and the, um, tourism that's driven by craft beer because there is so much great beer out there in Maine, um, is something really powerful to be a part of. And, um, you know, I think if, even though Luke has moved on at this point, he's still very proud of, of what the brewery continues to accomplish. And, um, you know, bringing his dream to a reality, which is great. That's awesome. When you so you came on board as president of your consulting, you came on board two years ago. What was it? Uh, in um, 2019. So we we hit 100,000 barrels of stowaway in September of 2019, and that's when kind of the transition happened uh, with Luke and I. And then you came on board, and what what was the main goal? How are you going to measure success? And that's a massive transition coming in, becoming president. The number one focus for me was um, the rebrand at that time. So at that time, we really, um, we had committed to our business partners that we were going to have a more cohesive look on the shelf. And um, to, I had stopped ordering cans in, in July of that year because I was adamant that we weren't going to sit in front of business partners again and say, we're going to do this because they had been kind of hearing that story for a couple of years. Um, and so it's hard, it's hard to rebrand an entire brand and it was a lot of work and it's, it, it's can be more difficult if you step through it and there's stages and there's a lot of money involved in doing it right and doing it um, when you print cans and, and all of the kind of the details that go into that piece. So it was, my like main and almost nearly only focus for the first six months, we launched the rebrand on February 29th, but the coordination of killing down all of the inventory of the old brands and then making sure business partners and distributors understood what brands were being replaced other than stowaway, our year round 12 ounce liquid all changed completely. Um, our cans had transformed into beautifully, beautifully done, wonderfully illustrated artwork, but that had really, they had built their own identity in their, in themselves. Each can had a very elaborate story and we needed a more, um, cohesive look to encourage our partners to put the brands together on the shelf, but also to tell the story and connect why Baxter, why choose Baxter, um, a bit more effectively than we had had done up until that point and we recognized that um it just you know as i as i like to say to the team rome wasn't built in a day so it's uh it took a while for us to execute but even in releasing a brand new brand um through a pandemic i mean we could not be more pleased with the results can i give you massive credit and props for because we've seen that evolution because we started to connect at the very beginning of when you were looking at the new brand uh, changes and that was underway we actually did some work with uh, the former designer some of the, the baxter awesome designs as you pointed out but just how beautiful and picturesque the new the new designs are you know a couple more miles where you have the you know the, the trekker the backpacker 
the Logger Road, one of my favorites, and they're heading off into the sunset there. So very, very cool um, cans. So well done. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's definitely, I think it's another piece of it just in a different way, like being able to say when you don't know something. And you know, I had never had done marketing. Um, I didn't have any degree in marketing. I had never had read a book on marketing. And so working with subject matter experts to help bring to life what what we knew we needed and didn't necessarily know how to get there um, was really rewarding. And, and now it feels like I've been working with them for, for 10 years, <laughs> not two. So it's um it's been a lot of fun. And I think that the designs are, are something our team feels emotional about and proud of. And um, with no exception of, uh, we've just released a brand new beer on St. Patrick's Day, Coastal Haze, and watching the team across the board, operationally, sales, warehouse, be so proud of what they're putting out for not only just the liquid and the product and the quality of the can, but the way it visually looks and the way it makes them feel is honestly the most rewarding thing that's ever happened in my career. I am super duper excited to try Coastal Haze at the April 3rd Free Jacks Home Opener. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I a lot about it. I just said to somebody yesterday that it's the most exciting thing to sit and watch someone try a Coastal Haze right now because it's it's really amazing. It's um it's really changing and and reformulating what people think you know what they define Baxter as being, um, given its lack of bitterness. The Stowaway was built to be a bitter beer and, um, and have that bitterness at the end, and, and people love it. And the Stowaway drinker, I, I swear, might be one of the most dedicated drinkers out there. But to give them something that's a little bit lower ABV that is really flexes and shows how wide a breadth um, our team's able, capable of executing on, it's just incredibly rewarding and really, really fun to watch uh, come to life. I love Baxter for that. I love Baxter for a lot of reasons. Obviously, it's very tasting um, beer. Love, you know, kind of the environmental conscious nature that's always been part of, of Baxter beer. Uh, the um, the beauty of where you've gone with with the branding. But another big piece that's really important to us of the projects that you guys do are the community initiatives. Um, can you just exp- share some of those that you guys have done recently? We just released Muddy Boots, which is our beer. Um, it's my very first recipe made on our big system to support the Pink Boots Society, which is an organization that supports the empowerment and education of women in craft beer, um, giving opportunities that might not necessarily be available to women in, in any particular role across the industry. Um, but we use L.L. Bean Boots and on the label, and it's a trail mix brown ale, and it, it really is to tip our hat to not only our roots of loving the outdoors and the trail mix element of it. Um, but the idea behind the pink boot society beer is that everybody uses one similar ingredient, which is a hot blend called the pink boot top blend. And to show the vast opportunities and options that can come out of that blend. Um, and a lot of people go the IPA route cause it's a, it's a very hoppy, wonderfully blended IPA or, uh, hop blend, but we went with the trail mix brown ale and, um, under the idea that that's the kind of beer that I would like to drink. But um, right now we are embarking on the development of our state parks project. So last year we released a beer called Popham Beach and it was out in July. And this year we're expanding the state parks to actually be May through August, where we'll be highlighting four different main state parks with proceeds going back to the state parks. Um, and with COVID restrictions looking like they're, they could be opening up more for outdoor activities, uh, looking to host an event at each of the state parks and 
and draw on some unique activities of those four different parks. So that'll be Sebago State Park, um, Lily Bay, Pemaquid, and Popham again. So really excited about that, excited with that state, with that project. Um, and then we are also working on a project with um, Hannaford to bring the hopeful um, initiative with the United Way to life through beer. And we'll be releasing that in July. And then um, Hannaford, who has traditionally been an incredibly strong partner for us, um, looked to us to help bring to life some philanthropic efforts that they were looking to accomplish as an organization. So it's been amazing that your, your number one largest partner turns to you to figure out a way to give back. And it's such a sincere, authentic effort that they are going after and, and that collaborative creative ideas that are coming out of it. It's been really fun. So we'll be doing um, a beer in the fall with them. That's for a food bank. Um, and then we're still working on who our spring initiative would be. And we just finished a project um, with the man up to cancer. Trevor Maxwell is a gentleman who was diagnosed with cancer and saw an opportunity to create an organization that supported the social and psychological aspects of going through chemo as a, as a man and as somebody who stereotypically needs to be stronger um, or there for the love, their loved ones. He saw a gap in, in his needs for social and psychological support and um, created a group that, that does just that. And it's an international group. And we made a beer called Howl Together because his his logo has a wolf on it. And the response has, it's a, it was a Pilsner. The response was incredibly infectious. And, and Trevor is just an incredibly inspiring, but wildly gracious person. And to be able to give his organization a platform through craft beer and connect with that demographic and audience. I think everyone, regardless of your age or gender has been touched with by cancer in one way or another. And I think that you know, leading with our hearts has really helped us connect with our, our fans in a different way as well, because it's, a, it's coming from a sincere place. You know, that wasn't an evaluation of like the world and market really needs a Pilsner. Um, it was, we want to make a project together and how best do we do that? And what does that look like? And uh, it was, again, <laughs> I could probably go on forever just about our philanthropic pieces, but um, it's a huge part of our identity and, and definitely something we take a lot of pride in. Yeah, and as free as the free decks, we're very prideful of our partners and, and the work that Baxter does in this regard. And so, there's so many of those that we would love to help out with uh, as, as as the releases come out. And let's figure out ways where we can help drive um, more traffic to some of those causes. Yeah. What is your current like? How are you measuring success as the president of the company? I I think it would be tough to say that you know a huge part of the success right now and a measurement of that is um, we haven't had anybody on the team get COVID. We haven't been shut down because of that. Um, I can't dictate what the team does and I can't make the essence of our job be different. You know, I, I can't send a brewer home and say, Hey, make the wort at home and bring it in. Um, so we have been together in the building for all of COVID. Um, and there's a responsibility that the team feels about keeping the doors open and making sure that it doesn't wipe through us. And, um, I couldn't be more appreciative of that. And, and trying to stay on top of how everybody's feeling, you know, d- different days, different weeks are going to draw different types of feelings and isolation. And um, I think the measurement of success for me, the number one piece is how the team feels. And I think that the team across the board has never felt stronger and more connected, um, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But um, 
a big measurement of success, of course, is also how much beer is going out the door. And um, we currently are up over 25% over last year. Um, and now we're about to lap. I pulled the sales team from the trade March 11th last year, and they didn't go back to the trade until July. So we're lapping a time period where people weren't in the trade. So, you know, we're, we're up and it, we're driving a little bit blind because a lot of these products weren't hitting the market in the same way with draft and on-premise consumption and events. Um, so trying to stay in stock, I think is a uh, goal number two, because it's, there's going to be a lot there to coordinate and, and figure out. And um, the, the market's receipt of ice storm really laid a really strong foundational groundwork for the launch of coastal haze, which is a hazy IPA that'll be year round. And Ice Storm was the very first beer in Baxter's history that outsold Stowaway Draft in any given month, and it did it in January and February. And uh, so it's it's set our goals pretty high. I've got a, a challenge to the sales team to see if they can outsell Stowaway every month this this year. Um, so it's been it's been fun. We've got a, a great team, and I think we're we're gonna have a lot to celebrate at the end of this year. I think it'll be our best year yet. Employee first get through COVID, build now so that it can really accelerate as we come out of it, which seemingly Baxter's done a great job of. We're in a very, very difficult industry. Um, a lot of folks haven't haven't been able to do so. It's a massive hat tip to your leadership and, and, and the work of, well, thank you. of your team. Uh, so we're fortunate that uh, Baxter is a partner of the Free Decks, and you're going to have um, some opportunities to share some brands uh, April 3rd. What are some of the ones that, that Baxter's thinking about having there? Well, I think most exciting, right, is the the uh, essence of, of why we're we're here and why we've partnered together is to bring a Free Jacks IPA to the fans. Um, with you know, working with our two teams together, we've updated the label to be a bit more eye catching. I think that the that slight change is going to make a big difference, um, just in appeal. But it's a liquid that you know, being at that first release party and watching the tap just have to stay open and watching the teammates comment about how Twitter was saying, like, how the heck does this brand new team have a beer already? Like, what is going on? And the pride that people felt about that and the excitement and how infectious that room was. I, I've never, um, I have, I don't think we have a partnership that's like that, that has that kind of energy and can bring that many people together and the, for the love of a sport and also, you know, healthy beer consumption. I'm just excited. I'm ecstatic to see now that we have an opportunity to get more of it in front of the fan base, how people, how proud people feel of it and, and how much they like the beer. So free, free Jack's IPA will be available. Um, Coastal Haze will be available and Logger Road, which is a 3.9% logger. Um, a big piece of our rebrand is establishing ourselves as a really credible, strong, um, lagering craft beer option. Uh, Lager Road was intended to go after and give people a local option that are Bud Light drinker and Coors and Miller um, and all of kind of the macro spots that have low ABV beers. This was meant to satisfy those beers, drinkers. I mean, Staycation Land had come out to... <laughs> convert my dad from Mick Ultra to Staycation Land. Um, and Logger does that even more effectively. So the, it'll be in the 19.2 ounce cans. We could not be more excited. Um, and, you know, I think April 3rd is just the tip of the iceberg. And I, I think what we're going to be able to do together in the weeks to come is incredibly exciting. 
myself. We say on the FreeJax IPA by Baxter, ignite the fire to live life to the fullest. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. You're president of this awesome growing company. How do you manage your day-to-day? How do you manage yourself? How do you keep sane uh, as you continue to, to move this thing forward? Um, I think I'm probably most ineffective at managing <laughs> myself um, than anything else I manage in life. But um I mean, I think trying to stick to a routine and, and recognizing which pieces of my routine bring the most satisfaction. So as life and time may not allow for everything to happen, you know, what are the things I have to stay closest to um, from a you know, just mental health, sleep schedule, et cetera. Um, and I, I'm incredibly fortunate. I have an incredible group of friends and family that I can draw support from. And, and my team is incredibly supportive and um they often are the ones telling me that you know I need to take time and and worry about focus on some things for myself, which is unique. You know, you can have you can manage many teams that really don't care how you're you're doing personally. Um, but trying to stick to my workout schedule and trying to stick to some sort of pattern for sleep has been has been uh, kind of my lofty <laughs> goals. Um, but yeah, I, I think like anything, you know, I'm a work in progress, and so continuously improving on that and refining how best to, to be the best version of myself for my team is something I stay close to. And I try to give myself the ability to be as forgiving of myself as I am of, of anybody who I work with. And, um, I'm, I tend to be my own worst critic. So it's, uh, something I continue to work on. Well said to be my best self for my team. That is, that is awesome. And so true. And also speaks volume to the work you're doing and the leadership you have. You know, and so what advice would you have for up-and-coming executives? Kind of looking back at, at your life and your experiences, you know, are, are there some things that you would you would change? Are there some things you would tell your younger self? Um, no, I think I, I I don't think I would uh, change anything. I think that with every challenge, I've learned a lot, and um, I, I think I probably could have been a little more forgiving to myself. Um, wanting to be an, you know, as strong of a resource as I could. I think I knew from a very early stage in my career that I needed to, to lean on others and, and learn from others. There's just no, it's just not possible to have every experience. You know, you can't be 25 and, and know everything. You can't be 28 and know everything. Um, so knowing and being comfortable with what I don't know and seeking advice from subject matter experts and lifting people up based on what they give for knowledge and you know what inputs that they have on a project or even your career um, never feels bad. It never, you never regret, or I've never in my life regretted making someone else feel good and making them feel valued. And I think that that's an incredible part of of being on any team, but certainly trying to lead the team. And uh, our quality director has a great saying that there's only two things we need to make beer. It's people and yeast. Those are our two most important elements um, with people being the number one ingredient. And if you don't care about the people and it's not a natural fit, you know, it's never been a building a team's never been a, like a checkbox item for me. Um, but I think advice for upcoming executives is to recognize, you know, what your team needs from you and understand and, and look to actively pursue closing the gaps on whatever you don't know or whatever you maybe don't have experience in, whether that's the P&L, whether, you know, seek advice from others that have come before you, 
either within your own industry or within other industries. I mean, there's so many things about being a CEO that are applicable across regardless of what business you're running. Um, don't be so confident in yourself that you, you're not open to learning from others. Even if it's something that you don't take on as an activity or practice, then it, it's still better to know that it's an option out there, in my opinion. Yeah, that lean on others, I think, is, is just such a pertinent point and a lesson that you know, certainly for me um, took some time. Intellectually understanding that is one thing, but then putting yourselves in position of vulnerability uh, to actually then do such and seek uh, is um, can be problematic. That there's a, that's a skill in and of itself. Uh, yes, I agree. Admitting fault, admitting that you can't do something, I think is... Um, can be problematic um, as young leaders are coming up. It's like, no, I can do it. I can do it all, right? And, and, and some of that that gusto actually helps with entrepreneurism and, and, and other parts of it. But um, not only understanding that, but the hard part then is actually executing on it, which it sounds like you've done really well throughout your career and continue to do. Yeah, and, and taking ownership of those mistakes. I mean, remembering that you are a person and people inherently like make mistakes. And I think I've I've gained a lot of respect from my teams over the years about owning when I make a mistake. I made a mistake last night, actually. So I had to give some apologies out to my team. They had a great plan and I was the, the cog in the wheel that had to shift their plan this morning. So I uh, <laughs> needed needed to contact everybody and, and, uh, and it's always with good intentions, but it, it happens. And I think um, it it's very easy to move past it and there not to be hard feelings when you're up front and um, have a conversation when necessary. Oops, I messed up again. And if the boss can say that, then it makes it much easier for everybody else, as long as we learn from it. Right. Rapid fire. Jeannie grants you one wish. You can't ask for any more wishes. What is your wish? Pay off all of my family's debt. That's awesome. Take care of the family. I love that. Who at Baxter could fight a grizzly without any weapons? <laughs> um, <laughs> a great team. So there's a couple I was going to name, but I John Nelson. Okay. Well, he's, a, he's our warehouse guy and uh, he's a big fisher hunter. He's, he's just a, he's a walking uh, spirit. I just, I, you know, he just, he just exudes this energy and spirit that, um, yeah, I think he could, I think he could take on a grizzly. Great. Are you, is there a current favorite book you're reading or a series you're watching on TV with all that extra time you have? Um, there is a book that I am working through called the 80, 20 principle. Um, and it's by Richard Koch and Koch, Coach Koch. I don't, I don't know how to say his name, obviously. Um, and one of my guys suggested it actually after listening to one of my interviews. And um, I had always applied it in from Pepsi. I actually learned about the principle at Pepsi, but I didn't ever apply it to my personal life. And it's a very interesting look at that piece. And and not just personal, but uh, applying it to other aspects inside the business, outside of just like downtime and um, the traditional operational senses of the word, and and applying that to how our sales teams spending their time as well. Um, so that that's been fun. Series, uh, not real. <laughs> I I um I'm not a big. I, I once I get into a series, I like binge it. It's not good. So <laughs> I give up sleep and all kinds of things. So it's uh, I currently don't have one. What is something you've never done that you want to try? Uh, bungee jumping. Really? Yeah. I just I look at that and I'm like, I have no desire. Like, what's going to happen to my brain as I'm going through that? So Yeah. I, I really want to paraglide over Yosemite. That's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What is um, your favorite piece of uh, Free Jack's swag merchandise? Ooh. 
There's so many good ones. I love, um, I love the socks. There's always a fun brewing socks and stuff from different breweries. And I do, I wear those socks quite a bit, but, um, the, the flannel with the project that you guys did that, that flannel pattern and how many different ways you brought it to life. And, um, just being from Maine, I think, and to be, not to be stereotypical, but I love flannel anyways, but, um, the hats I, Baker and at Vermont flannel, they do a great job. Yeah, yeah, and you've and you found so many different ways to use that pattern, and the the one with like the hoodie with yeah. the scarf things is pretty good. Yeah, he does a great job. Um, this is the kind of the last one that I ask everybody. If you were running the free jacks every day, if you're in my shoes, what are you focusing on? Well, I think you know uh, success breeds success, like in the games, right? Uh, competitive success breeds followership. Um, so I certainly would think that that would be a major focus, making sure the team is, is going to win. Um, cause whether you're new to rugby or not, you know, everybody likes to celebrate winning, so whatever that structure looks like. I certainly wouldn't know how to start cause I, I don't know rugby well enough to know, know that piece, but, um, exposure, I think, you know, in our experience with the free Jacks IPA so far, you know, trying to keep the beer alive while there wasn't games this past year is how many pockets of people have either been to a rugby game or played rugby in college or did a pickup rugby game or a clinic, or they knew somebody who played, you know, there's, I think the interest is out there. And when you have a fantastic physical complicated sport that has, that just breeds people's interests, you know, the, um, at least I think to a lot of type A folks like are looking for love to learn something about a new game um, they want a team to follow. They want, you know, New England sports. We're lucky, right? We have an entire region that we get to have professional teams behind. And there's just nothing like a, the love of Red Sox and the love of the Celtics. It's, I think it's the same idea. And I think looking for ways to get that exposure out there to people um, and get the rugby players out there so people understand that there is this reckoning that's happening of, of some wonderful games to come and tradition and, um, I'm excited to be part of it, but if, yeah, I think it's going to be challenging to be in your spot. I would think to, to find new and exciting ways to get rugby in front of people and audiences that maybe don't know and, and don't know what they're even missing. Yeah. I think for, for us, we're very fortunate when, when they do get exposed, um, there's a lot of connections to new England just in terms of what the manifestation represents of kind of that humble, hardworking, but this is a lot of fun. We're having a great time. Um, and that certainly represents not only the great sports of New England, but kind of the, the culture that you find uh, throughout the six states. Uh, so we're pretty lucky in that regard that the, the sport itself, but also the Free Jacks represent that. So I think you're spot on is, is making sure we're doing everything we can to, to share that uh, with, with, new, with new fans. Jan, it's fantastic. Uh, to connect on uh, Full Contact CEO. Great pair of the uh, Felschkin Heritage Boots. Free Jack style are coming your way. They're pretty awesome. The big question will be socks or no socks. Thank you. So great to connect. Everybody out there, go do good things. Be well. Thanks for tuning in today uh, and join us next time on Full Contact CEO.